words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. I want to share with you this morning, God gave me a word, and I called it lively stones, arise, revival is here. There's a lot happening, and it will be a terrible I don't know the word to use. You know how something is happening and you are not a part of it? What's the word? Eh? Travesty. That's the word. Before Jesus came, there had been prophecies that he would come. But the church, remember when we say Pharisees and Sadducees, that was the church. You know, we look at them and we say, ah, Pharisees, Sadducees, like, that was the church. Before Jesus came, they knew, they had that word that he was coming. But they were engrossed, you know, they were engraved in culture and tradition. And they were expecting a mighty army, a king that would come with wealth and with riches. And when he came, they missed him. That's why today we can look at them with disdain and say, oh, you Pharisee, you Sadducee. But we're in that same season where change is happening. And we're looking for that change in, a, in the manner in which we're used to. This is how God will do it. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. So I want us to, um, let's read First Peter. Please, the next slide, First Peter 2. I'm going to read from five. Okay. It says, therefore, laying aside, so I didn't take the entire scripture. When you go back, try and read it. It says, therefore, laying aside all malice, lay aside all deceit, lay aside all hypo. You know, honestly, eh, the Bible in Matthew 24 says, in the last days, there'll be a lot of deceit. And church, you know, there'll be deceit in church. So he says, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking, and then come as newborn babies. Come with a desire. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. He is the chosen stone and his chosen people coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones, one um, version calls it lively stones. You also as living stones, you are being built up. You are being built up. You are not a stone just sitting down. You are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. You are a chosen generation. You are chosen. Say, I am chosen. My generation is chosen. You are a royal priesthood. Say, I'm a royal priesthood. Say, I'm a king. I'm a priest unto God. You are a holy nation. Say, I'm holy. It doesn't matter the accusation of the enemy. I am blood washed. I am holy. I am a holy nation. I am his own special people. 
I'm very special. Honestly, there's nobody that can tell me otherwise. Nobody. I know how special I am. One day God told me, if you were the only sinner, haven't you seen it in your Bible? He said it to me. If you were the only sinner, you see that cross? I would still hang there. You know the shame? For you, I will carry it. You know that pain? Because of you, if you were the last one, if you were the only one, I would go through it again. You are special. Don't allow anyone tell you otherwise. You are special. But as we enjoy these things, guess what? He didn't make you special to sit in church and admire yourself. Be looking at yourself from head to toe. Ha! Aidi, hot. Special from top to bottom. You have a purpose. And if you heard Pastor Fred pray today, that was what he was trying to draw in that prayer out of you. To understand that there is a reason for all of this. For your being chosen. For God making you holy. For God calling you a priest. There is a reason why that you may proclaim his praise. He called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. He said once you were nobody. You didn't count. You didn't matter. At some point, you didn't. The devil knew. He just used you to play ten ten. But now you are the child of God. You are a son of God. You are a prince. You are a princess. You are a queen. You are royalty. You are a priest. Once there was no mercy, but by the blood of Jesus we have obtained mercy. Hallelujah. So now that we have all of that, I want you guys to do something. Do you trust me? Just trust me a little bit, just for a few minutes this morning. Close your eyes. Imagine a world in which you live and there is no pain. There is no sickness. Just imagine there is no poverty. You're looking for a job, you get one. You're looking for a child, you get one just when you want it. You're looking for a husband, you get one. You pray, God speaks to you. Jesus walks into your bedroom and he talks to you. You understand the times and the seasons. There's no confusion. Imagine your life, what it would be like in that season. There is no sin. You're not struggling with sin. You don't lie. It's not difficult. There's no pornography. There's no betrayal. You sleep with your door open. Nobody's going to come and rob you. There's no theft. Imagine such a world. That world, when you read Psalm 85, you will find it. Open your eyes. Did you like that? Did you like that? Let's go to our reality. Our eyes are open now. What are the days in which we're living? It's like the days of Shamga. Do you remember Deborah? Says village life ceased. It's like the days of Shamga. How dare you go to bed and your door is open? Are you all right? You can't even drive with your cars, you know, open. You can't. People are jogging on the um, Lekki Bridge and they're not safe. Does anybody feel safe? 
So imagine that you're in Lagos, you don't feel safe. What if you were in Kaduna? What if you were in Zamfara? The money they're paying you, is it enough? Say, how can? <laughs> how much is the dollar? By reason of a bokeh effects, it went up. <laughs> Every time my children call me, I panic. Fear. I haven't even answered the call. I'm already afraid. There's so much corruption everywhere. Everywhere. You can't ask your domestic to do something for you, and then they'll bring back your change. Not possible. Let's leave government corruption. It's, it's, uh, the one inside. Why? I'm going to read Isaiah 1. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's a really long scripture. And um, when you go home, try and read it. From verse 2, he says, Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. He says, The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. And my people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are, loaded down with the burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. Um... And then verse 7, he says, Your country lies in ruins and your towns are burned. Foreigners plunder your fields before your eyes and destroy everything you see, everything they see. Does this remind you of Nigeria? He says, Beautiful Jerusalem stands abandoned like a watchman's shelter in a vineyard, like a lean-to in a cucumber field after the harvest, like a helpless city under siege. That's where we are right now. Everybody I know has spotted Sorry, I know you guys, you know we, we are here. But you know what I mean? Every day I'm hearing news, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Somebody called me and said, why are you still here? I said, where should I be? <sighs> We're like a country under siege, helpless. And then um, in verse 11, he says, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the, fat of, and the fat of fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asked you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. So, you know, as they're asking God, God is responding. He's saying, God, why is this happening? He's saying it's happening because of this. You've rebelled. You've turned your back against me. And if you read the scripture, if you read the history of Israel, you will see it was a play of we come to God, we prosper. We rebel against God, and then we go into famine, and we go into war. Happened all the time. And the Lord said, in that place of rebellion, when you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. I won't. Because I kept wondering, God, have we not fasted enough? Have we not prayed? We have prayed for this nation. Why are you not answering? He says, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. This is what God is saying we should do. God is saying to us, get up. Stop crying. Stop wailing. Come properly. 
and then my fire will fall. You know, many of us heard of pa Elton's um, prophecy that Nigeria will go through corruption. And, the, and guess what? We just brought chair and sat down. We're waiting for it. How will it happen? How is that prophecy going? Then, you know, when it doesn't come to pass, that ah, man, a false prophet. What is your role inside it? That's what God is saying to us this morning. What will you get up to do about this corruption? What will you get up to do? How will you partner with me? God is hungry for you. God, he's hungry for you. There was a city in the Bible called Nineveh. The Bible called it a very evil city. In fact, when I started studying the, the scripture, you know, scriptures, I just googled Nineveh and all the things I saw amazed me. One, do you know that Nineveh was built by Nimrod? Do you know Nimrod? Nimrod was evil. And when he was expanding his territory, he built Nineveh. Nineveh became the capital city for the king, Sennacherib. Do you remember Sennacherib? Tormented Israel. So it was a very, very, very evil city. And God then called a man, Jonah. Go to Nineveh. Why did Jonah run away? Why? Nineveh was an evil city. But God is merciful. And Jonah knew that God is merciful. Jonah knew that if he went to Nineveh and he preached and they repented, that God will do what? He will forgive them. All that evil. So imagine that you've been growing up. While you were growing up, your mother was telling you, you see these people, don't go there. They're very wicked. Don't marry from there. You know some of you, you know how it is when you're growing up. Hey, that tribe, hey. In fact, my father used to tell us about a man he started a business with. And the business fell apart. And the man got the larger share of it. So all his life he felt cheated. So he would say, you see that tribe? Don't marry from there. Ah, God forbid. So we grew up just believing that these people would never go there. So that was, that was Jonah. How do you go and preach deliverance? Imagine one day, Pastor Uche, God reveals to you the person that started COVID. Then says, pray for his repentance. Now we curse you first. I will curse you. I will curse your father and your mother, your generations yet unborn. Then I will ask God, can he not remember the people that have died? You want this person to repent? How? Is he fair? And many times, that's the question we take to God. God is not fair. The ways of God are beyond finding out. And many times, we despise Jonah. We look at Jonah, we despise him like, ah, this Jonah, you're too stubborn, you too, you go. Go and preach to that person that stole your business. Go and preach to that person that kidnapped your children. Go and preach to that person that broke your marriage. I'm telling you because me, I know I cannot. <laughs> I'm just doing what the Lord said. I should tell you. I 
can't. I cannot. I will curse you. I, Pastor Nye. Eventually, Jonah went. Why didn't God let up? Why didn't he leave Jonah and look for someone else? Because the Bible says that if you don't speak, guess what? Rocks. They will cry out in your place. But why? A lot of the things we read in the scriptures were put there for us. Perhaps there is a Jonah sitting here. Me, I know myself. I don't know you. Perhaps God is calling you today. He's calling you. Guess what? Like Pastor Fred was praying this morning, there is a fire that is coming. And you don't want to be in the season of God a Pharisee. You don't want to be. I want to be part of it. And if it means that I will lay my pride down and go into places where God says go, oh, because I want to be part of it, I want to be like the John and the Peter and the James that followed Jesus. That's how I want to be. I don't want to be like the Pharisees or the Sadducees that never believed that this is a move of God. You are in a move of God. Right now, there is a revival, but God is hungry for you. You know, one day, Pastor Mo was preaching, and he, I'll come to that. He, he was talking about revival. And after that message, I went to go and research revival. And I found out that there's a, there's a book called Revival Library. And I started to read about men God had used. And this man just caught my eye. Because this revival, the Azusa Street Fire, it lasted for 10 years. The reason why many of us are speaking in tongues today, are walking in the spirit, are laying hands of, on people, are doing miraculous things, is because of this revival that started in Los Angeles. And how men from that revival just went to different nations doing the work of God. How did it start? A man, William Seymour, black in that time, a black man, blind in one eye, a son of slaves, barely educated. He was not eloquent. He had nothing to show for it. He was poor, but he was hungry. A hungry man met a God who was hungry for a man. And God used him. God used him and guess what happened? Fire. The first church he went to preach and he started to talk. He said to them, he said, there is something called the Holy Spirit. And I believe that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will speak in tongues. Guess what happened? They locked him out of the church. He came back, the church was locked. He was sent out of church. So a family said, you know what? We believe this thing you're saying. Come and preach in our house. So he started preaching in their house. And the house got too full. You know, they said the, the balcony fell one day because of the crowd. People that came to hear, people were getting healed. People were baptized in the spirit. The newspaper carried it. They had never seen anything like that before. He said to them, a white man and a black man can sit in church together. It was never done. How did he learn the Bible? He went to a white Bible school. They didn't let him enter, but they opened the window. He stayed by the window and that was where he learned the word of God. 
And that revival just swept nations. Nations. Ten years, a fire was burning. And then in an island called the Hebrides, I heard this story from Pastor Mo. This was the story that started the whole research on revival. Pastor Mo shared that day, he said there was an 82-year-old woman and an 84-year-old woman. 84-year-old woman, blind. You know, the, the evangelist Campbell, when he was writing the story, he said the woman was stone blind. Do you know what it means to be stone blind? Nothing. Nothing. Blind. Then her sister, the 82-year-old, was crippled by arthritis. So they couldn't go to church. So they started to pray in their house. And as they were praying, God gave them a word. God said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. So they kept praying that scripture. And every Tuesday night from 10 till 3, 4 a.m., they would pray, God, you promised, God, you promised. And while they were praying, they saw a vision in their church because there was no young person in the church. Nobody who was young ever came to church. They saw their church filled with young people. And they saw a strange minister ministering. They had never seen the man before. So they were convinced that something was going to happen. So they sent for the pastor. And they told him, this is what we've seen. How are we going to do it? Said, okay, let the pastors begin to pray. So the pastors went into a barn. And the women said, every Tuesday, every Friday, start praying from 10 till 4. We will be praying in our houses. We will join you. So the pastors gathered and then they started to pray. And as they were praying, the Lord gave them Psalm 24. And somebody got up and was reading that Psalm. And he said, I am convinced that before the fire of the Lord falls, we will be holy. The Bible says, who will ascend onto his hill? Clean hands. And God just took over that meeting. They were slain in the spirit. Never happened to them before. And then this minister comes. You know, and he was writing in his story. He says, I did not start a revival. This revival started when two women decided we're hungry for God. We're hungry. And they were praying. And God took a hold of them. They were praying. And that night, you know, he just landed in the town. He wanted to go to his hotel. They said, oh, just come and say a word. He went to say a word, finished saying a word. And he was leaving. And one of the men jumped up and shouted and said, no, God, you promised that you will pour water. We are thirsty. And that was it. A revival. All the young people, they were at a party dancing. They ran out of the party. They ran to church. People were laying on the streets. They were repenting. One man, he was repenting. He was saying, God, hell is too good for me. They said to the man of God, come to the police station. The police station was right beside the house where these women were praying. There were 600 people there, repenting, praying. How did that happen? God is hungry. He's hungrier than you are. He's hungrier than you are. The scriptures begins to tell us in 1 Kings. If you read 1 Kings 18, it's a really long scripture. And I'm kind of rushing because I want us to pray. 
So when you go back, read it. There had been a drought, a famine for three years. Elijah had declared for three years there shall be no rain, no water, and there wasn't. And the king was looking for him to kill him. He ran away. They couldn't find him. And then the day the Lord said, go and tell the king that it will happen. He went and he told, he, you know, he showed himself, even Obadiah was worried. He said, if I go and tell the king that you have come out now, you will vanish, then they will kill me. He said, did you not know I'm the one who hid the prophet? You know, he began to give Elijah his resume. Do you have a resume in the spirit? When God said to Hezekiah, you will die, what did he do? He brought out his resume and he began to negotiate. Do you have? Do you have? What will you bring to the negotiating table? Obadiah brought his. He said, yes, I walk in the house of the king. But don't you know, Elijah, when they were killing the prophets, I risked my life. I risked my job. I took 700 prophets. I hid them. Don't do this to me. What's in your resume? What have you got to say to the Lord? God, I've been on this earth 52 years. I don't have a soul to show for it. I haven't raised anyone in the spirit. I haven't preached your word. In the office where I work, they don't even know that I serve you. What's on your resume? Elijah honored that word and waited. He waited. And he went to the king and he said, you know what, let's solve this matter today. Bring your prophets. How many of them? 450. It's just me. 450 versus 1. What kind of WrestleMania is that? He said, it's not about the numbers. Bring them. It's about who we are crying to. It's not how many we are. It's who we are crying to. That person you are crying to, does he have power? He says, so I'll stand back. Bring the sacrifice. You choose. It's okay. They chose the fat one. Chose the, they build the altar. It's okay. They did that. He was watching. Then they cried and they cried and they cried and they cried. And they cried and they cried. Elijah is very smart. When you read the scriptures, you begin to understand why he let them go first. Because the Bible says when it was his turn, it was the time of sacrifice. He understood and when it was his turn, when they had cried and cried and nothing had happened, Elijah got up. What did he do? He got 12 stones. Lively stones. Lively stones. He got a Victor. He got a Mary. He got an AC. He got an Aramide. He got a Precious. He got a Sandra. He got a Kiki. He got a Zena. He got a Fred. He got, a, he got Bobby. He got Zika. He got Tammy, he got ID, he got 12 lively stones. A lively stone doesn't sit still. A lively stone is the foundation of God's altar. A lively stone is a place where the fire of God burns. A lively stone cannot be still. You cannot be a lively stone and be still in this day. You can't be a chosen generation and not answer his call. You cannot. And then he put the stones together. He built an altar. Pastor Mo talked about this last week. 
Rebuild your altar. You don't come here every Sunday just to hear a word. You come every Sunday so that you can build an altar. You come every Sunday so that you can hold it to your stones. Every Sunday you hear a word. You hear a prayer. You hear something that turns your life around. You build an altar. Build him an altar. Prioritize me, God is saying. Make me your priority. Don't give me the balance. Give me number one. Elijah built an altar and then he began to pour water. How does fire come upon water? Elijah was pouring water. He was pouring water. When you come, the water of the word is poured. Prayer is water that is poured. Revival is water. Wherever the presence of God is, there is water. Go there. Take your altar there. Let them pour water. Let water be poured on your altar. Pour water. He poured water. And fire fell. Fire will not fall. Fire will not fall if you don't have water. There is no fire when there is no water. God will bring fire. Stay there. You don't need to feel it physically. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But stay there. Let God keep pouring water. Let God pour water. Let Him pour water. Stay there. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Go back home. Go on to the hillside. I did that one Saturday. I was amazed. I was listening to message after message after message the whole Saturday. And then when I finished, the Holy Spirit said, which ones have you done? Let God pour water. It is the fire that brings transformation. Paul said, I planted. Apollos did what? And God did what? God will do it if there is water. Light it for me. God will do it if there is water. Stay there. Cut out some things. Cut out the razzmatazz. Razzmatazz belongs to the priest of Baal. They were jumping, shouting, dancing. There was no fire. There is fire where there is water. God's fire will fall where there is water. Hallelujah. I'm done preaching. Just stay here. Somebody said to me, said a candle will not lose its light. It won't lose its light if it lights another candle. Sorry. It didn't lose its light. You don't lose your fire. That you lit up another fire. You will not. How do we light up this world? When you take that fire and you light another fire. Light another fire. 
And when I lose mine, guess what? Because he was lit up, he raised me back. He did. What are you doing on your own? God has need of you. You're criticizing the government. Everything they do is wrong. But you, what are you doing? Apart from being a critic, what else do you do? The anointing of God that is inside of you, what is it for? Rise up, God says. Rise up, revival is coming. Rise up. Light a fire. Pick someone up. Pray with that person. Tell somebody that Jesus is coming. Feed the hungry. Clothe them that are naked. Let somebody look at you and see that Jesus is here. Tell the truth even when it's painful. Call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. This morning God is saying to you, I'm hungry. Will you feed me with yourself? Will you answer me when I call? Will you get up from where you are and go? Will you go for me? God is calling you. He's calling you. Can we stand up and pray? Can our prayer be yes, Lord? Can our prayer be yes? Yes. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.